Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I don't get to be a newsman on this show very much. You know, the idea of the anchor man, can I sit in the chair? I just like to kind of pop my papers on my desk. I feel like that's the kind of thing you see news anchors do uh, a lot. Don't get to do a lot of breaking news. We do have breaking news here off the top of the program. Now, the problem with breaking news is like 99 point whatever 9% of the people who watch or listen to this show do so after it airs live. But for those of you who are joining us live right here at 10 a.m., as expected, as the smart folks like to say, Terry Bussey, the five-star athlete from Texas has kept his commitment to Texas A&M. So some of you were kind of aware of what was going on here. A lot of you probably were. There was really only one name kind of out there, even as a possibility for Georgia. That was Terry Bussey. Bussey had recently taken a visit to Georgia. Not a lot of buzz coming out of the visit. That's typically a sign. The old adage in recruiting is, if you don't know, it isn't you. Uh, Meaning, if you haven't heard for sure your guy's coming to you, that means he's probably going somewhere else. I think most of the folks pretty close to Georgia were fairly confident Bussey was likely going somewhere else. There was some chance he might flip over to LSU with Corey Raymond kind of back in the fold there as defensive backs coach. I guess Dante Williams, Georgia's new cornerbacks coach, uh, we're told had a little bit of a relationship with Bussey. But ultimately, the school that had him, able to hold on to him, perhaps all of this was just sort of a show to make it seem like A&M got a win on a recruit they already had, or maybe this was about NIL leverage. Ultimately, I don't really care. Uh, but Bussy is staying at Texas A&M, not coming to Georgia, which that means, as the uh, uh, phrase is sometimes used, that's probably about a full lid. Uh, Georgia probably doesn't have anything else to think about here on National Signing Day. And on the one hand, I don't know. I guess I'm a little nostalgic for what National Signing Day used to be. We're going to have Jake Fromm coming up on the show a little bit later on. I'm going to talk to Jake about the fact that he was actually a part of the last signing class ever that all took place in February. National Signing Day in 2017 was February only. By the 2018 class, we you know started having the early signing period. We've been doing it that way ever since. Um, there's a part of me that sort of misses the old school, traditional National Signing Day. I guess I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, so maybe it's not that surprising that I feel that way. And you know, it's a little bit uh, easy to kind of have. Uh, these really sort of uh, fond memories of the way things used to be in the craziest area and to be a little bit uh, melancholy maybe is the word about the fact that today is just not really that kind of day. It is National Signing Day, but it doesn't really feel much like National Signing Day. And then on the flip side of that, I also kind of caught myself considering this this morning. While we can all lament about what National Signing Day here in February has become, the one thing we cannot complain about is what Georgia has become as a recruiting power. Now, consider this. I know this is going to seem a little bit vapid, uh, but but just hear me out nonetheless. Consider the fact that the one thing that is not in dispute today is, is that when the final sort of lid is put on this 2024 recruiting class, no one argues that Georgia will have the number one class. Mathematically, I believe it's impossible for anyone uh, to catch them here right now. So we know for a fact that Georgia's going to have the number one class. So we may you know, be a little bit disappointed into what this version of National Signing Day sort of deteriorated into, but there is no deterioration whatsoever when it comes to Georgia signing class. Georgia is number one, probably worth sort of reflecting on that here just for a moment. And 
I, I think that there, if you're a Georgia fan, there's sort of, I think, a kind of an important takeaway that probably matters for you in terms of how Georgia goes about its business. Really kind of two things, I would say, uh, that are probably pretty important when it comes to Georgia and how it is that, once again, Georgia has put together uh, a, a big-time signing class, a number-one-ranked signing class. And all these guys, for the most part, there's a small handful who are still finishing up their regular high school and will join Georgia in a traditional way come May, June. But, like, the lion's share of this class – Already early enrollees, many of them were bowl practice. A lot of these guys we saw with our own eyes going back to uh, Miami in the Orange Bowl. It's just sort of a different age on all of this, but the results remain the same. Georgia continues to dominate in recruiting. And as far as like why that is and the overall mindset that uh, Georgia has in place when it comes to signing day, you know, a couple of years ago, Kirby Smart kind of talked about that. He was sort of asked about, all right, it's national signing day. You've kind of been here a lot. You've sort of done this a lot. What is it that makes signing day successful in your eyes, in your mindset, from your perspective? What is the definition of a successful National Signing Day? And since today is National Signing Day, the final moment of this 2024 class, let's go back in time and hear what Kirby Smart said back then. A successful signing day is defined four years from now. You know, I look backwards on that. I don't, I leave it to you guys to rate them because I don't, I can't compare somebody else's to ours because I don't really look at somebody else's. I only compare ours to what they do when they leave, not what they do when they arrive, how many of them graduate how many wins they have, um, what kind of people they become, how they integrate into our culture is probably the best defining success quality. And uh, hopefully they'll do that well. We'll onboard them well. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, there's probably not a lot of difference in all these kids being signed. The difference is what you do with them. Um, but people make it about who you sign, not what they become. And uh, I'm a lot more interested in what, So I think what Kirby Smart is saying there is probably self-evidently true, but I do believe there are some things about National Signing Day that are perhaps more true than just what Kirby Smart's saying right there. What is the definition of a successful National Signing Day? I think it kind of comes down to two things. Clearly, for Georgia, it's it's a successful signing class, even if it's sort of a quiet National Signing Day. I think the reflection of this sort of starts with the fact that Everything for Georgia right now just feels accelerated. Georgia has already done the work to take care of this class. Therefore, they're already thinking about 2025s. In fact, we've already talked about all the guys that Georgia's hosted in a couple of uh, pretty important junior days uh, here over the course of the last few weeks. Georgia, you know, kind of content to be finished with its 2024 class. It's working ahead of 2025. It's working ahead to, you know, develop the guys that it's already brought in for the 2024 class. As I mentioned before, many of these guys already in early enrollees. Many of these guys have already participated in their first Georgia practices. So in the current age which we live in, where things in February feel less dramatic than they used to, the definition of success on a day like this is just also different than it once was. I think National Signing Day, you want that to be a reflection of how well you've worked ahead, how far into the future you've been able to look ahead. What you don't want to be is kind of like I was in high school, sort of cramming and scrambling at the last minute to get something done, perhaps the way my son is in school right now, maybe. But um, you don't want to be doing anything like that. You want to have taken care of your work. You want to have, as the old saying goes, best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. You want to have worked hard in the past so that you can kind of relax and take it easy during the present. And it certainly seems like that's what George is able to do. In fact, if you want to go back to this December when Kirby Smart was reflecting on some of those 
those things. That's one of the things he talked about, the fact that Georgia, the work that it did back in the first opportunity to sign up this 2024 class, the work that it had been doing for a long period of time, finally came to fruition there on that uh, December day. And on this February National Signing Day, that's an important thing to keep in mind, Kirby, from back then. Obviously, it started you know, long before this time uh, last year. Um, we're really confident in our evaluations. Uh, we, we do a thorough job. I think somebody told me on here, I was looking at this before I came out here, I think 24 of maybe 28 or 29 guys worked out on our campus with our coaches. Uh, 25 of, of 28 guys were multi-sport athletes, um, 13 different states, number one player in, in maybe four or five different states. Um, but more important than all that is the, the kind of kids they are. I'm excited to get them to come in and work. We've got, I, I really don't know, eight or nine guys here um, working with us that are uh, competing and um, and hopefully more to come mid-year. I think it's somewhere like 23 guys coming mid-year, which seems to be the trend in all of college football, uh, which is important because you cannot develop players if you don't have them here. You can't practice to develop the other players if you don't have enough depth here. So I think what Kirby Smart's saying there is sort of a new definition of what makes National Signing Day successful during this time. National Signing Day is a day to be thankful for what you've done in the past and already thinking about the future. Georgia will spend more time probably, you know, thinking about 2025, 2026 recruits today than it certainly will 2024s. And its thoughts about its 2024, you know, you know, recruits will all be about developing him as players because most of them, the lion's share of them, are already on campus. That's kind of a cool thing about this new version of National Signing Day. It's not perhaps as fun and dramatic as it would have been in the past, but in terms of how Georgia is navigating all of this, it is a certainly a proper reflection of the overall success of the Georgia program. And that's, I guess, the final point to make about this there as well is that when you see Georgia guaranteed of having the number one class, just sort of watching the final moments of this 2024 cycle play out, you're reminded of something that is, once again, I think an important statement to make, is that Georgia's making all of this look easy right now. Even though with the advent of NIL and the proliferation of the transfer portal, the actual process of acquiring talent is probably harder than it's ever been. The truth is, if Georgia's impacted by that, the look on the face of the coaches, the demeanor, uh, their behavior as they're out and about on the recruiting trail, that doesn't seem to, to give you much indication of that. Georgia seems to be handling all of this as well as it handled whatever came before this and sort of the life of acquiring talent in college football. And going back to December, Kirby Smart also talked about that as well. Uh, we have uh, really gone with the model of going through the high school ranks, um, developing players. The way it's looking right now is somewhere around 40%, maybe 50%, maybe even 60% of our roster next year will be in the first two years of the program. Um, and that's, uh, that's you got to have spring practice, you got to have development to do that. But a lot of credit goes to our staff. Um, our coaches have done a tremendous job in what is a extremely difficult time. Um, but most of our class was done. I think this might have been the earliest class we've ever had uh, the numbers committed and really proud of them. And um, I look forward to kind of indoctrinating these guys into our culture and uh, getting them better. Did you hear the way that Kirby Smart punched that phrase? Extremely difficult time, he said. We all know that's true because we follow college athletics. But if all you knew is what you know about Georgia, 
you wouldn't have any evidence whatsoever that this is an extremely difficult time for coaches and then some co- and that some coaches are sort of tucking tail and running off to the NFL or into retirement or wherever else. They can't handle the pressure cooker that is the current landscape of talent acquisition. If all you knew about college football is what you know about these Georgia coaches, you would assume that things were just as easy as ever because Georgia is making it look just as easy as ever. Now, behind the scenes in real life, that's not exactly true, but Georgia certainly makes it look that way. And if you're a Georgia fan, I think that ought to make you feel pretty good today and certainly give you a sense of comfort that college football is challenging right now. And finding players out of high school or uh, getting players at a transfer portal or perhaps keeping those players from transferring somewhere else, it's never been more difficult. But Georgia finds a way to make it look easy. It may be a quiet national signing day for the dogs today, but that quiet, drama-free mood that exists around the program, that is evidence of just how successful Georgia truly is. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pass Management. We're happy to have you with us, no matter how you join us. First in 15, 945, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, across all video platforms, radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. We are just so happy to have you as a part of our program and so thankful to our friends at Breda Pass Management who make it all possible there as well the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And our friends over at uh, Breda, Matt Breda, and the entire team there, nobody happier about the great success that Georgia has enjoyed during this 2024 recruiting cycle. Nobody happier about the fact that dogs are on top as the number one recruiting class in America because Breda Pest Management is, as I said before, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That means if you're going to a basketball game at Stegman Coliseum or we got uh, Diamond Dog Baseball starting up here really soon, if you're going to Foley Field there or any of the other athletic venues when you're there, you can know that the same company that's keeping those venues, those stadiums, those arenas, those gyms, termite, pest, you know, critter, bug-free, all that kind of stuff, they can do the same thing for your home there as well. And it's not just prestigious bragging rights you get from that. You're also going to get the thing for you that probably matters most of all, which is more money back in your pocket. Because if you're working with one of those termite companies and you know what this feels like, you get the letter in the mail, the dreaded letter, cost of service is going up, even though your sense is the quality of service that fly-by-night company has been providing you, maybe it's going down. And yet somehow it keeps getting more expensive. That's not going to be your experience with the Breda Pest Manager. They've been in business since 1975. They've got 125 employees. This is like a true family company lineage legacy over the course of uh, multiple generations of taking care of people and they want to take care of you and put more money back in your pocket just for making the switch so find them online it's bradapest.com that's b-r-e-d-a bradapest.com all right we're getting jake from here coming up on live special uh, conversation with jake we're looking forward to that prior to that though i want to go around the doghouse and I want to try to have some fun with something here for a moment. So one of the things that you hear me say a little bit is the sort of wild nature of NIL, while on the one hand a little bit true, on the other hand probably a little bit exaggerated. And I think the story of Carson Beck and his new Lamborghini, which maybe you've seen online, uh, and if you haven't, we're going to walk you through it here in a moment, I think this may be a little bit of an example of the kind of telephone game that sort of turns one thing and something else by the time it's all said and done. So let's see if we can kind of walk through this here a little bit. And by the way, it is not just me who sometimes kind of notices the uh, 
sort of, I guess, exaggerated nature of this and the fact that in the NIL age, which we live in, obviously it's a presence, but it's maybe not quite uh, sometimes what it's described to be. There was actually a story at 247sports.com here this morning where recruits were able to speak anonymously about their own NIL experience. And one of the recruits that was uh, quoted here, once again, not by name, I'll show you this on the screen, uh, was able to sort of describe exactly what the feeling's like. So the, the writer says, what's real with NIL numbers and what isn't? Uh, he says, you can go ahead and trash any thoughts that most recruits are getting paid millions annually to attend a school. One of the anonymous recruits who's quoted says, people get paid to play, but the numbers that you're hearing are outrageous. People are just lying and pushing it past what it is. That's what a recruit told 24-7 Sports. So is it true that people are just lying with their NIL? Some of them might be, but at the same time, I think that some of this is probably not quite as you know nefarious as that. Some of this is just exaggerated, like an old-school game of you know, a telephone where somebody starts off whispering something by the time that it makes its way around the circle, it's been turned into something different. As I said before, the story that's out there right now that some people are just hysterical about, about Carson Beck and his Lamborghini, maybe this is an example of this. So let me show you this once again, if you're watching on video on your screen. So Beck goes to a place called Atlanta Autos and gets himself uh, a Lamborghini. So the, the, the dealership puts out, shout out to Carson Beck. He came through and not got just a Lambo truck. But he got the, whatever, it's Permanente or something like that. The really, really nice one. Uh, obviously, a very, very expensive vehicle. Great-looking SUV. Uh, Atlanta Auto sort of puts that out. Now, let's talk about what we know here just for a moment. What we sort of know is, is that a guy like Carson Beck is very well aware of his value. That his presence on a social media post kind of comes with some value. And a guy like Beck, who does have representatives He is probably, now I don't know this for a fact, but I'm making a strong assumption here, he's probably not giving that away for free. That if Beck is cheesing with Atlanta Autos on Instagram, the idea that Beck would just do that without getting something out of the deal, you know, that that seems to be a little hard to square, just given the way in which representatives of quarterbacks like Beck or players like Beck around college football typically advise their clients. So if we're seeing Beck in an Atlanta Autos Instagram, I would say that the easiest, safest uh, assumption is is that this itself is some sort of endorsement deal. And oftentimes, auto dealerships will trade a opportunity to drive a car via lease for an endorsement. You don't you know, Beck doesn't own the car in all likelihood if this deal operates the way that a lot of these deals typically do, but he is allowed to drive it for a period of time. He can either come back and get a different vehicle or eventually just give it back and move on to the next phase of his you know, life. And uh, the dealership will turn around and then sell the vehicle because that's just kind of the way this goes. That's typically the way things go. Beck is driving a Lamborghini from Atlanta Autos, but there's no evidence he actually purchased the vehicle. If anything, the presence of Beck on the social media post would lead you to believe this is likely an endorsement. And yet that's not necessarily the way this was discussed because our friends over at the Players Lounge, not bad people. They've obviously got a a job to do here. They're trying to tout the NIL value of Georgia players. They see the Beck photo. They put out on X yesterday, Georgia quarterback Carson Beck purchases a near $300,000 Lamborghini, uh, is it Urus? Perform for performante. So you can tell how much of a North Georgia redneck I am. I don't even know how to pronounce all this. Uh, but nonetheless, $300,000 vehicle. They give you the mind blown emoji. That's what the Players Lounge per, uh, puts out. Now, once again, Players Lounge, not bad people, but unless they've got the, the purchase and sale agreement in their hand, 
We don't have much evidence necessarily that Beck actually bought the car. All we know is Beck is driving the car via the Atlanta Autos Instagram piece. You follow me here thus far? But when people see the Players' Lounge putting out that Beck purchased the vehicle, and purchased in this case may have been the wrong word to use, all of a sudden that gets grabbed and that gets kind of turned into something in the media. Our friends over at On3, once again, not bad people, like a lot of people that work there, but their national desk sees this Players' Lounge tweet from the Atlanta Autos Instagram, and now they're writing about it as well. Uh, On Twitter, they put out Georgia quarterback Carson Beck recently purchased a Lamborghini Urus Performante. Uh, The model goes for $270,000. But uh, while you know they're putting that there, their headline of the actual story, if you click into that, just says that he reportedly purchased it. So we go from, hey, Beck's driving a car, maybe he bought it, uh, $300,000, national media sort of picks it up, and all of a sudden this gets turned into, well, here's Carson Beck, he's spending three hundred grand, and should an athlete like that be spending that kind of money, things like that. Clearly... I think you can see the path here of how a sort of a telephone game like this can sort of operate where just because he's driving the car doesn't necessarily mean he bought the car. But when you see the way the various social media pieces around the world sort of pick this up, all of a sudden it sort of gets turned into one thing when it perhaps to start with maybe was something completely different. Now, the overall bottom line for me is whether Beck purchased it or he's leased it or he's getting it as an endorsement or anything like that. Honestly, for Georgia, it may not be a bad thing to have a quarterback getting this kind of fame, this kind of attention. A little pizzazz around the Georgia program, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. As we talked to Connor Riley about yesterday, the idea that a Georgia quarterback and a Georgia program kind of being a little bit led by a little bit more of a well-known quarterback who has Heisman aspirations and first-round pick aspirations. For Georgia, from a branding standpoint, that may not necessarily be a bad thing. We'll make that around the doghouse for you here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. Of course, when you think about quarterbacks who know a little something about getting a lot of attention, what it's like to be in the spotlight, our good friend Jake Fromm knows all about that. So what do you say we keep that conversation going with Jake right now as we get ready to do a Kroger Fresh Take with him to here today on Dog Nation Daily? Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. Kroger Fresh taking the program here today. And Jake, I was sort of uh, joking about this before. You're certainly a quarterback that's no stranger getting a lot of attention and perhaps at times a little bit more fame than maybe you would have even wanted uh, to the point where, you know, if you're driving a vehicle, everybody's looking to see what that is and, you know, getting a lot of attention for that. Have you seen Carson Beck's Lamborghini truck here? And uh, what do you make of all of that? Hey, Brian, what's going on? Uh, thank you for having me. I was, uh, I was cracking up, man, hearing you talk about it because I, I think you're hitting it, hitting the nail on the head. I mean, you know, as a quarterback at the University of Georgia, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't think you're getting, you know, that kind of attention. You wouldn't think that just what kind of vehicle you drive is is that important. But man, it it is, uh, it, it's crazy just how things can uh, can get blown up. But uh, but yeah, uh, you know, being being a quarterback here, stuff like that matters, and um, it's it's funny to uh, to sit here and talk about it. And um, yeah, it, it happens. And uh, I did get to uh, see a post about uh, Carson and the Lamborghini, and. Uh, Man, it's a, it's a nice vehicle he's driving, and uh, it'll be looking good around campus. Yeah, no doubt about that. And what's kind of funny is 
there's a little bit of a cultural divide that sort of shows up around stuff like this. On the one hand, people are a little bit closer to my age. Some of the time they're like, well, I don't know that I want my quarterback driving a car exactly like this, a vehicle exactly like this, maybe a little too flashy, something like that. And yet people who are a little closer to your age or perhaps even younger, they love the idea of this. You know, give me the celebrity player. Give me the fancy car. You know, give me the glitz and glamour around the Georgia program. I think it's a little bit of an interesting thing where you do get a little bit of a cultural divide here between people who might be a little older who are like eh, i don't really know about this and people who are a little bit younger who think you know they're into car culture and things like that they just think stuff like this is really fun so you got a you got a couple of different camps as it relates to georgia fans on this i think a little bit definitely definitely uh there's going to be different groups of people who have different opinions uh, on the matter uh me personally it's just that that's not a a vehicle for me i stick uh, my ford f2 f250 range that's that's what i drive uh, you know it can get me in and out of the hunting woods and it can do all the things that that i need it to do um but uh you know man for for carson you know uh running on campus you know i'm sure you know there's some kind of uh you know deal that you alluded to you know b- before i got on about about the whole thing um, and hey, man, you're you're in college. You don't you're not you're not doing a whole a whole lot of of of, of other things, man. You know, drive whatever you want to drive. It's it's no big deal. And um, you know what what it ends up helping is probably recruiting uh, and 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 recruiting a couple other players to come come play because everybody's thinking you're making money. So um, if anything, it's probably going to help them on the football field in, indirectly. Yeah, I'm sure from your perspective, a Lambo like that, not quite sure it goes four-wheel drive to get down to a duck blind. I'm not really quite so sure how well that worked for all that. <laughs> no, no, pro- pro- probably not. I-, I need something I can throw stuff in the back um, and-, and do a little work here around the house. So um that's yeah a d- different different vehicle choice for me well along the you know lines of carson back you know we had a chance to hear from him a little bit this week he was kind of talking about his mindset about coming back to georgia and the one thing that seems pretty cool about carson is that he's you know whatever level of attention he's getting whether it's being as a you know quarterback driving a fancy car or just being a guy that's got very high nfl aspirations you know carson seems to channel all that towards at least based on the words that he's using right now channeling all that towards you know the idea of, uh, of 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 doing hard work and coming back and improving himself from where he was in 2023 and clearly it seemed like he had a really good time at the quarterback spot this past year but given that chance to come back seems like he's pretty eager to do it both because of what he thinks Georgia can be as a team and what he thinks he can be as a quarterback when you hear Carson speak and I'm presuming you've also had some private conversations with him there as well you know it certainly seems like to the average fan that no matter how much hysteria exists around him Carson's focus sort of appears to be where it needs to be is that the sense that you get uh, from him as well yeah I agree 100 percent it would baffle me if for some reason Carson would would change and do something different than what has gotten him there to this point right you know he he came in he he didn't start right away he went to work same thing year two same thing year three you know and he gets an opportunity i mean like it, it would surprise the heck out of me for him to to really do a 180 and, and switch something up rather than just hey i'm gonna shut my mouth and go to work so everything that i've seen everything that i've heard everything that i've been around been around been around him and, and around the building just a little bit um just looks like to me he he's focused he's ready to go in and work and um, I think he's ready to have an even better year than he had uh, last year. One of the things we talked about a little bit this week is is that 
Georgia, you know, doesn't bring obviously everybody back from this past team, but they are bringing back their starting quarterback. You know, they're bringing back, you know, a handful of pieces along the offensive line that have some experience. They're bringing in experienced wide receivers from other places in the transfer portal. This is actually going to be a fairly experienced Georgia offense here this year. Maybe not the most experienced offense in the country, but certainly an offense where a lot of guys have played a decent amount of football. How much do you think that benefits from UG? I'm thinking about your freshman season when you were kind of learning things the first time, but Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle had been there, you know, forever, and you had guys along the offensive line in some cases who had been there, you know, for a little while there too. When you were a young player trying to figure all this out, how much did you benefit from those, you know, very experienced seniors who were kind of helping lead the way back then? Yeah, to me, uh, you know, when we talk about where experience matters, to me, experience in offense trumps all for me personally because I think. Uh, you can get to answers quicker uh, when you're going through day one installs. You can get through stuff faster um, and on to uh, answers later down the road that are going to show up uh, throughout the season in October and November, late in December. Um, and I, I think that that benefits the entire offense. You have experience and you, you know how to um, – answer against certain defenses you get to um you have that in the game fire experience where hey stuff's not working let's figure out an answer and you know who your go-to guys are because you've seen them do it you've seen them make plays when plays need to be made and, and as a quarterback you know who who to trust when the game's on the line how about for you going into 2018 after that you'd already had a year being a starting quarterback you'd played 15 games so you really played almost more than a uh, a first season you played a kind of a first season plus how much more comfortable did you feel second time through in 2018 than you did first time through in 2017 because obviously that's going to be Carson's experience here this year now he's been on campus for longer than you would have been but a second year starting you know quarterback situation for him coming up how much more comfortable did you feel in your second year yeah a, a lot more comfortable because it was it was my show it was my reps throughout the entire off-season program I was looking at me to make the answers, make the plays and make the calls. So um, I, I knew that that all that you know all, all the offensive success you know generally relied on my shoulders and and I, I knew what I had to do to make it happen and um, man, I, I was something that I looked forward to and and uh, I, I, I try to take advantage of it every snap I could. I want to finish with this, uh, Jake, as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here today, that, you know, you may not realize this, but when you signed with Georgia back in 2017, you and your 2017 signees were the last group, uh, uh, crop of recruits to have signing day only be in February. The year after you in 2018 and up until now, we've had early signing period, things like that. So since you came to Georgia as part of that 2017 class, the February national signing day, which is today, has just sort of grown to not really mean as much, you know, now as it did back then. Uh, you didn't have a ton of drama for your recruitment by the time you got to signing day, but, you know, what kind of memories do you have of signing day? And, and maybe, you know, more so as a young recruit thinking ahead to what would be your national signing day, you know, how much were you kind of into all of that back then? Yeah, so for me, most of the experience with the whole February you know, Wednesday signing day, I, I, I remember more as a high school early recruit mm -hmm. than anything. Um, you know, I remember all my college coaches, uh, you know, they'd, they'd be huddled up in their, in their offices and they're, they're watching all these recruits, you know, go to, you know, Georgia, Alabama, you know, Florida, all these different places. And uh, I just remember it was just a, a big deal, big, big buzz around the football program just to, you know, figure out where everybody was going, you know, and, um, you know, get to watch, you know, guys that you've played against go places and, 
and you know you, you didn't know it then but but go and either you're going to be teammates with them or you're going to go play against them for the yeah. next you know four or five years so that that was always fun to watch and something i always really look forward to as a as a young high schooler and young recruit well jake i tell you what we always appreciate your time here as part of our kroger fresh shake we're so glad you made that decision to come to georgia way back then obviously fond memories of your georgia career that really kind of started from the word go once you uh, stepped onto campus so a good thing to always look back and reflect on and anytime we're talking about quarterbacks it's always great to have a former georgia quarterback helping us do all that we really appreciate you being a part of our uh, Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily today. Jake, we'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you soon. Yeah, Brandon, as always, man. Thank you for having me. Enjoy it. Good stuff there from Jake Fromm here as part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And, of course, when you think about Kroger, great stuff from them. When you talk about the membership opportunity at Kroger called Kroger Boost, this is a time right now when everybody needs more money, everybody needs more time, and that's what Kroger Boost provides you. More money back in your pocket, more time to do the things you enjoy. Now, how does that work exactly? Well, if you go to Kroger.com slash boost, you can read all about this and learn that for yourself. Uh, but a couple of things you're going to get a chance to do is, first of all, it's free grocery delivery. You don't have to schlep all over town and pick up those groceries. Kroger can bring those right to you there. You can shop online and uh, pick them up, have them delivered to you there for free. An incredibly convenient way to give you back more of the time that you really, really want. And also in addition to that, how about the stuff you're already purchasing at Kroger? Well, you're going to get twice the fuel points as a Kroger Boost member for those things you're already buying. So make sure you check that out today. It's Kroger.com slash boost. That's Kroger.com slash boost. And you can pick up all of that today and learn all the ways that Kroger Boost can give you more of the things you really need. Time, money, convenient experience, incredibly enjoyable. Check out Kroger.com slash boost for more on that. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, great stuff there, Jake Fromm, former Georgia quarterback and our Kroger Fresh Take. And we'll do this as an opportunity to shift into our cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Man, oh man, are we getting ready for what's going to be a great time on board Allure of the Seas coming up in April. But we're also thinking about the great stuff we've already done, at least I've had a chance to do, uh, on board uh, Icon of the Seas back in January. Just a few weeks ago, we had a chance to do all of that and still thinking about those fond memories of that and just so excited about all the things that Royal Caribbean's got in store here for 2024. Whether it's Icon of the Seas, you know, in July of 2024, Royal Caribbean's going to be debuting another new cruise ship. And all the buzz you've been hearing about Icon, you're going to be hearing a lot of the buzz about that there as well. It's going to be called Utopia of the Seas. Just a really fun year for things happening around Royal Caribbean. But we would say around here, nothing going to be more fun then Allure of the Seas coming up in April. One of our great DogNation.com commenters told me yesterday he just got back off Allure of the Seas, had a great time there on that, and that just gets me excited to celebrate this with all of you coming up in April. I had a message a moment ago from my boss about some sort of cruise details and some things we're doing, some things we're getting ready for. I'm just telling you, you can really feel it starting to get closer when you start having all these messages popping up. And if you're watching on video, you see that image there of Perfect Day Coco K. That is where we're going to be. That is where we're going to be going. I can not wait to be there. Truly one of my favorite places on this planet is Perfect Day Coco K. And I am thrilled about being there with all of you. But it's showtime go time in terms of getting registered for this. And around here, we have a very special travel agent who helps us with this. Her name is Jessica Slater. Now, Jessica doesn't work for Royal Caribbean. She works with Royal Caribbean. But Royal Caribbean believes that a great travel agent makes a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation even better. So that's why they said, hey, use Jessica as your travel agent. It won't cost you anything extra. We'll pay her to serve your needs. 
And uh, that's what she does. So you can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or you can email her at jslater at dreamvacations.com. Now, you can also check out the website here, royaldogs.com. That's D-A-W-G-S, royaldogs.com. And you can find out more information about the Dog Nation cruise there. All right, it's National Signing Day. Let's kind of recap some of the stuff that has gone on, or really, I guess, the only thing of note for Georgia fans that have gone on, which is uh, Terry Bussey, the five-star athlete who had been committed to Texas A&M, stayed committed to Texas A&M. It's kind of funny how we can turn you know, this into news. The guy that was committed to Texas A&M, never decommitted, sort of flirted with maybe going somewhere else. He did visit Georgia. We do know that. But ultimately, he stays with Texas A&M. Most people uh, sort of expected that to play out that way, and that is the way it indeed took place. So there you go. I guess no harm, no foul when it's all said and done on that. Uh, also, it looks like a chance for A&M to be uh, kind of a winner in a couple of different ways today. Bussy, obviously, here, but there's also a wide receiver going later on today. Now, I won't admit, I don't know much about this dude. His name is Ashton Bethel Roman. He is, you know, kind of a top 300-ish, you know, somewhere in, you know, you know, kind of four-star-ish, you know, range from a wide receiver. Looks like A&M may have a chance to pick him up, too. So, in addition to, like, not a ton going on for Georgia, there really isn't a ton going on for anybody, for the most part, here on this Wednesday in February, National Signing Day. But A&M already kind of holding on to uh, Bussy, maybe going out and getting the wide receiver Bethel Roman. So, the Aggies could be end up being one of the few teams that could – at anybody today, they may add a couple of names of notes, so they could prove to be the big winners here in all this. There's also some talk about George Strait doing a concert at Kyle Field, so there's a lot of stuff happening around uh, Mike Elko's program here right now. Chance Auburn may add somebody, but I don't know that's even that big of a recruit necessarily, so there you go on all of that. There was also a little bit of news coming out yesterday as it relates to Tennessee and Virginia, both kind of uh, basically appealing for a like we call it, like a, I don't want to say stay of execution. That's the wrong word to use. Uh, uh, a temporary restraining order. That's the word I'm looking to try to use. A temporary restraining order against the NCAA. And we don't care about Virginia, but in the case of Tennessee, we've been following the story of, you know, NCAA investigating related to, like, I, I guess it's the uh, alleged private jet flight that Nico Iamaleva took as he visited Tennessee. And uh, NCAA looking at that as sort of a, NIL infraction and NCAA rule infraction, even though in kind of the NIL age, almost all of this seems to be legal. But the NCAA sort of using the old rule book as a way of kind of trying to punish Tennessee. Tennessee wanted a temporary restraining order against this. The uh, Vols have, um, you know, kind of spoken out very aggressively against what they think is unfair treatment by the NCAA. But if you look a little deeper into this court stuff, and I do not like talking about legalese around here. I just think that's pretty boring. But if you look at this, while you know, uh, the NCAA sort of got the win here in so many words and the fact that Tennessee was denied this restraining order. Certainly the language from the from the judge and the, and the official statements coming out of the court are pretty similar to everything else you've been hearing now for quite some time, which is a lot of skepticism about the amateur model overall. You know, it, it just seems hard to imagine that the college athletics system, as we've understood it, is going to be able to survive all of the just the really significant legal challenges here right now. Some people think that's a change for the better. It is certainly a change, but I would say the evidence that it's a true change for the better is kind of lacking, and not just for the fans or media or whatever else, but for the players themselves too. I think there's a lot that still needs to be investigated, a lot of perhaps unintended consequences. Uh, but 
that's not the topic for today. The, the point is, Tennessee does not get its temporary restraining order against the NCAA. The investigation will continue, and perhaps it, uh, the NCAA will eventually rule against Tennessee. But this court proceeding overall, perhaps not really being viewed as a good news for the NCAA's belief that the kind of amateur model in the traditional college sports, uh, you know, university athlete relationship is going to be able to be a longstanding thing. So uh, speaking of new stuff, there's also a new, I guess, sports viewing opportunity on your way there as well. You know, one thing we know is, is that sports on TV or, or you know, the way we watch sports is – gravitating a little bit more towards like the streaming world. We saw an NFL playoff game this year on Peacock. Uh, Georgia fans have kind of gotten used to that. SEC Network Plus for spring games, for a regular season game. Uh, it seems like there's just probably more of this coming in the future. And there's also, you know, a little bit of a question of, okay, what's the future of watching sports with so few people now having a cable bundle, sort of a traditional, you know, cable provider or satellite TV provider, there's just less of that than there used to be. So what's coming next? And a lot of folks wondering, when can I buy sports on kind of an a la carte basis? Well, what we've heard here over the course of the last 24 hours is, is there's going to be a little bit of a coming together of the big sports right holders. Not CBS, not NBC, but ESPN and uh, the Turner stuff, which is owned by Discovery, and uh, uh, a Fox, which, believe it or not, a, a Disney already owns. We may not realize that. But the point is, is you've got a little bit of a coming together of these entities where you can get the, the Fox Sports stuff, the ESPN televised stuff, the Discovery stuff, which is all the Turner stuff, TNT, TBS, things like that. That's most of your sports on TV. It's not CBS. It's not going to be NBC. This is most of it. And so for some people, they may be like, well, isn't this just cable TV? In a roundabout way, it sort of feels like it is. And for other people, they're like, okay, well, this is the sort of streaming thing I've been dreaming of. But if you look a little deeper at this, I don't know that's necessarily the case because, I mean, the one thing I've always said is, is when sports moves to a, to a sort of a more traditional streaming model, it's going to be more expensive than the sort of $10 a month you're used to paying for some of these subscriptions. You know, this in itself is going to probably be, from a price standpoint, fairly close to those of you who have like YouTube TV or something like that. This is really nothing but a competitor to that. And it's not obvious that this necessarily is going to be a better overall thing. But it is some movement in the direction of streaming sports, which is something that some people have been asking for, uh, especially those that are sort of out of the cable bundle world. Uh, one more quick story to give you here. Uh, we don't do a ton of basketball during our SEC through uh, as we're cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. But uh, there is a little bit of chatter out there right now. Kentucky is not winning enough basketball games. And a guy like John Calipari, who, my gosh, they haven't had success in the NCAA tournament. It feels like forever. It seems like Calipari's relationship with Kentucky right now is perhaps a little bit strained. And you start to wonder, you know, is he going to be able to sort of maintain that job in good standing if they're not winning more than they are right now? And what does this mean for the friction that sort of existed between Mark Stoops and Calipari before this? You know, Stoops wanted to take the Texas A&M job, we're led to believe. A little bit of a fan revolt prevented that from happening. So now he's back at Kentucky with no real options. And, you know, the idea of I'm a fairly successful football coach at what is mostly a basketball school, but if Kentucky's starting over from scratch with a new basketball coach, I wonder how that impacts Stoops here. Not obvious that Calipari's going to lose his job, but Calipari is not very popular with Kentucky fans right now. That's at least worth mentioning. And so we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And 
Uh, listen, John Calipari's future, uh, very much in doubt, perhaps, but your near-term future can be all but guaranteed to have a good time when you enjoy our friends at the Finnish Long Drink. Boy, what a great time that is to be enjoying some Finnish Long Drink right now, whether it's the peach-flavored version you're in the peach state for a limited time or the Long Drink Cranberry, the Long Drink Strong, 89% alcohol by volume, Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar, the traditional, which is still my favorite. I told you before, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, so the fact that I like the traditional, original version of the Finnish Long Drink, probably not a huge surprise there. The grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. This is a really cool category of beverage. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. And the Finnish long drink sort of induction into our mind here in America you know, kind of comes a couple of years ago. It's been around in Finland, though, for like the 1950s. It was a part of the summer games there in Helsinki as a way of sort of celebrating that. And now is not only in America, but it's all over Georgia there, too. So many of you have tried it. A lot of you love it. And if you haven't, what's well, your time to do so? So find them online at thelongdrink.com. Check out thelongdrink.com today. So one of the things I talk about a lot around here is the impressive credentials that some of the people in our audience have. Some of you are like world travelers. Some of you have very important jobs. I'm always amazed that people who are so erudite and sophisticated spend time with someone like me who's barely literate and essentially doesn't ever really leave this box. I'm always kind of amazed that I call a studio. I'm sort of amazed that I am able to attract such impressive people. Now, to give you an example of how true that is, let me show you our golden shoe for today. You may remember on one of our shows this week, we talked about Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, talking about reading a book called How to Think About War about a guy, and I think it's called, is it Thucydides? Is that how you say it? I still don't know how to pronounce the name to give you an idea of, you know, <laughs> how not educated I am. Thucydides, perhaps? Well, here's what David Good writes, and I'm going to give him a golden shoe for this. B.A., I have a master's degree based on the study of Thucydides. Now, how about this? We mentioned this uh, philosopher on the show. Come to find out, we've got a guy watching and listening who's got a master's degree in Thucydides. That's amazing to me. He says, I can't imagine any rational person would read this for fun, which is a very funny thing to say. So perhaps Greg Sankey really is preparing for his own version of war there. But I just wanted to show off here. I may not be very smart and I may say stupid things all the time, but the people who are watching and listening, they are very, very smart. Somehow, some way, we make that work. So David, we'll give you a golden shoe for that. And one day we'll let you sit us down and tell us all about Thucydides and exactly how it is that we should be thinking about war because that's what Greg Sankey wants us to do. Speaking of war, it's a one-sided war down in Jacksonville, 1187 days. That's how long it's been since those lousy, stinking Gators have beaten the Georgia Bulldogs. And that is a number that is going to go up and up and up. And you don't need some Greek philosopher to tell you that. You already know it. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management.